Nine Lives, the debut album from Catalyst, grips with infinite possibility and reflects the contemporary Los Angeles jazz scene. Catalyst is more than a nine-piece band. It's a collective of producers, composers, musicians, and writers who represent a who's who of the Los Angeles jazz community. You can listen to the album on all of the major music platforms or purchase a copy through bandcamp.com. Catalyst with a K, and the album is Nine Lives. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. has been a ready source of bioactive compounds that can improve human health. There are more than 10 million natural compounds in the plant world, but less than 0.1% of these compounds have been explored. Brightseeds Forager is an artificial intelligence discovery platform that's being used to map millions of bioactive natural compounds to identify the ones with potential to address human health needs. We spoke to Jim Flatt, co-founder and CEO of Brightseed, about the company's discovery platform, its business model, and why it's pushing beyond nutrition and supplement companies to forge partnerships with drug developers. Jim, thanks for joining us. Daniel, thanks for having me. We're going to talk about Brightseed, its AI platform known as Forager, and the potential for it to explore the rich and largely uncovered compounds that exist in the plant world. Let's start with phytonutrients, though. What does this term refer to? Yes, uh, phytonutrients are the subset of uh, small molecule compounds produced by plants uh, called uh, phytochemicals. Uh, that actually are biologically active and have benefits for human health. Uh, plants are nature's uh, foremost chemists, or they're often referred to as that, and they produce these compounds for their own growth and survival. But given that plants have been the, you know, basically foundation for our food system, it's not surprising that some of these uh, compounds that have benefit for plants also have found a role in human health. And so these are the phytonutrients, and that's what uh, we've uh, uh, created a, a Forager platform and, and Brightseed to explore and understand how we can take advantage of this uh, for human health. The numbers are, are kind of astounding when you look at them. What's the opportunity? How big a world of compounds mm -hmm. are out there and, and how well characterized are they today? Yeah, great, great question, Daniel. Uh, we estimate that there are upwards of 10 million or more distinct compounds, small molecule compounds, uh, produced by plants. And that kind of makes sense given uh, both their genome size and the fact that 
you know, uh, plants in order to survive have to deploy basically a range of chemical solutions to protect themselves. Uh, you know, if, if we run into a problem, we can always right run away uh, or find some other way to survive. Plants, um, you know, of course, can't move. And uh, because of that, they have, uh, you know, they have uh, created really extensive uh, chemical synthesis capabilities. So of these 10 million compounds, though, we believe the world only knows about 100,000 compounds uh, that have been characterized to date. And uh, uh, these compounds, though, these 100,000 compounds, of course, have been incredibly uh, useful, forming the basis for uh, many of our small molecule drugs, uh, things like uh, Taxol uh, for uh, as a, a chemotherapeutic. Uh, aspirin is an analgesic, which comes from the willow bark, and uh, metformin as a frontline oral uh, treatment for diabetes, which comes from the French lilac. So we know these compounds, I think it's estimated they generate just short of about a trillion dollars in economic value each year. And yet we, uh, you know, if you do the math, uh, we estimate that about 99% of these compounds have yet to be explored. It's, it's sort of like the world beneath the, the uh, ocean. And uh, this is the opportunity that uh, we have in front of us. I think most people would assume that plants are relatively simple compared to man. But how do plants and plant genomes compare in complexity to humans and human genomes? Yeah, so again, that's a common misconception. It, you know, we always like to think of ourselves as the most complex and advanced species, but it actually turns out that uh, plant genomes in general are, are generally much larger uh, than human genomes and can be up to eight times uh, the size of the human genome. And this is is due to really uh, uh, two reasons. First is, in fact, uh, uh, plants do encode more genes. This, you know, basically this what I'll call Library of Congress uh, gene set that they have to produce a wide range of compounds when uh when the plant needs to. And then secondly, uh, you know, humans are diploids, meaning we have two copies of our uh, chromosomes and a uh, number of plants are polyploidal, meaning they actually have more than two uh, copies. So this is what uh, creates the, the larger uh, genome on balance for plants relative to humans. As I mentioned, you have an AI platform known as Forager. What is Forager? Yeah, so uh, a Forager is an AI-based uh, platform that actually trains on extensive um, plant and human system biology information uh, to answer really three basic questions. And, uh, you know, again, uh, for any AI, it's uh, you have to have both very clear uh, questions and again, high quality, large data sets from which to, to train upon. And so with that, um, 
uh, the three questions that Forager uh, addresses are first, what's in this plant? Uh, basically understanding this dark, what's called dark matter of nutrition, these 99% of compounds that haven't been characterized. Uh, the second question we address is, as we discovered new compounds, we ascertain their likely role and benefit in human health. And so, and then finally, um, the, we can actually uh, take uh, any useful discoveries or exciting discoveries and translate that to a commercial solution by identifying the best sources of those compounds amongst the 31,000 or so edible uh, plant species that are available. And so maybe just to uh, dive into that in a little bit further, um, um, we're able to oftentimes uh, identify between five and 10 times the number of compounds in any given plant source that has been pre uh, previously described. We have developed a, uh, a very powerful AI-based uh, deep metabolomics capability that uh, somewhat akin to uh, uh, the uh, advances that uh, uh, Craig Venner and his team made with uh, human, you know, whole genome shotgun sequencing that really broke open the field of, of genomics uh, generally. Uh, we're able to pair highly advanced uh, uh, analytical equipment for characterizing small molecules with our AI that's been trained to basically process that data and uh, ascertain more uh, signal from what are typically pretty noisy data sets. And so uh, this gives us a much more uh, deeper view into the richness and complexity of compounds that are produced in plants. You mentioned you're looking at edible plants. I, I take it there's such a, a large world of undiscovered compounds that you could be mm -hmm. looking at What's the process for prioritizing what you look at? Yeah, so uh, first uh, we look at which, uh, basically, which compounds in, in fact uh, address a health need that's of interest to Brightseed or to one of our number of uh, partners who have partnered with uh, Brightseed to uh, develop a new innovative um, health beneficial compounds. And so uh, we actually start, rather than look at the plant, we actually start from what, uh, which of these phytonutrients uh, appear to have most interest in terms of their bioactivity. So once we've identified a handful of compounds that have been validated to have the desired uh, biological activity, uh, we then uh, go out and prioritize plants based on several factors that include uh, their supply chain availability, uh, the uh, concentration of the compound in different plants, which is going to dictate its economics, and then a cursory look at what other compounds the plant produces and whether any of those compounds might create issues either with respect to processing a finished product that would be, you know, an enriched extract, uh, enriched in the bioactive, or uh, potentially could, uh, you know, create uh, some safety questions. And so, 
you know, we really look at it from that lens of supply availability, economics, and and safety assessment. That uh, uh, and and from that, then down select to our our lead plant sources. And how does Forager, once it's identified a, a phytonutrient, how does it determine its potential value in humans? Yeah, so that's, uh, you know, for me, that's been actually the most uh, fascinating part of this uh, journey. Um, our team has, you know, has developed Forager and we train from decades worth of biomedical research uh, information to, uh, and, and when we look at this biomedical research information, it basically connects certain biological mechanisms with ultimately a clinically proven outcome. And so these biological mechanisms in, include things like cell receptors and enzyme uh, modulators or transcription factors that govern uh, important metabolic processes within the human body and can often be corrupted or impaired uh, either through lifestyle, uh, lack of exercise, or, uh, you know, uh, you know, unfortunate, say, genetics. And so uh, with uh, from this data, we basically build a range of models uh, that describe uh, basically features of compounds that appear, you know, that have been established to be uh, active. And the purpose here of AI or the really training objective here is to take different subsets of the data uh, and develop then models that can discriminate between those features of compounds that uh, associate with those compounds being active, having the desired activity, and those compounds that aren't active. And so we take these data both from public and sometimes private data sources, uh, unpublished data, where we, we have access to, through collaborations, uh, to a lot of uh, screening data that can uh, inform our models. And so with that, we then say, okay, with these models, now we look into our compound database, which, by the way, is about now seven times what uh, the world knows, and ask the question, which of these 700,000 plant compounds uh, that we've mapped to date um, have features uh, that would uh, lead you to believe that they would be active for the benefit of interest. And so, for example, if we're working in the area of sleep, there are a number of uh, biological mechanisms that have been mapped. And uh, in this case, then we can go and ask the question, which compounds in our diet might actually be predicted to beneficially act on one or more of these proven biological mechanisms. And uh, uh, this system has proven very uh, powerful. We've done uh, six discovery programs to date. Just in our three years, we found uh, validated solutions for all six of the health indications uh, in metabolic health and in cognition. Um, and uh, we've done so in a matter of months, uh, which is, uh, you know, uh, dramatic, uh, dramatically faster than the, you know, the multiple years and millions of dollars it often takes through kind of best-in-class, high-throughput uh, medicinal chemistry screening methods. What's been done to validate the system? 
Yeah, so that's a, that's a, also a great question. And so uh, we, we validate uh, each element of the system and then uh, ultimately, uh, as they say, the proof's in the pudding, we validate it by our ability to uh, develop new or make new discoveries, uh, you know, again, previously unknown that ultimately translate to the clinic. And so starting uh, with our deep uh, advanced metabolomics uh, capability to map these compounds, uh, the um, there is a actually a contest that is uh, uh, performed uh, uh, periodically where wherein uh, you know sophisticated mass spec uh, uh, traces for known compounds are given out to the uh, academic and, and corporate research community. And there's a contest basically to uh, see uh, which companies or, you know, which organizations have the algorithms that can actually correctly identify uh, the structure of these compounds based solely on the information provided, these uh, uh, mass spec uh, signatures. And so uh, the, this contest was most recently conducted in 2016 and published in 2017. Uh, the the winner of that, uh, the CASME uh, uh, contest, uh, I think accurately predicted something like 46% of those compounds on their their first guess, uh, when we uh, took the same uh, same data and ran it through Forager, we had a seventy three percent first pass success rate, which was you know more than fifty percent better. So with those data, we knew that you know we we had really a best in in class algorithm. Uh, we've also had partners who've given us uh, similar type data and, and uh, have asked, you know, basically as a test and have asked us if, in fact, we could identify these structures, uh, which, you know, we represent that we can. And, in fact, we've passed those tests. Um, similarly, on the uh, predicting biological activity, again, this is where we've we've actually done several case studies where we've actually taken uh, data that's uh, been blinded to the team uh, with respect to, you know, known biological uh, mechanisms uh, where there's a set of data. We know compounds that work and don't work. And in fact, from those data, are we able to predict the, you know, accurately predict the, the compounds that in fact have proven to be bioactive? And again, we've uh, passed those tests with high, uh, high accuracy. Um, we, had, uh, we had some cases where we were actually presented with, uh, again, uh, data uh, with compound structures and uh, and have had partners ask the question, okay, we know that we've done clinical studies or preclinical studies. We know the biological benefits, but most of this has not been published. Can you predict through Forger, can Forger predict these benefits with no other information? And again, we've uh, not only passed those test with flying colors, but we've actually been able to identify several new areas of, of, of potential bioactivity that's interesting. And then I, I think finally the, you know, kind of the, as I said before, the proofs in the pudding. And uh, in this case, go back to the data indicated where we have uh, for each of the 
health benefit questions that we've discovery programs that we've run, we've ultimately come up with, uh, you know, commercially viable solutions for uh, each one of the, the programs. Uh, and that's gone through a series of validation steps uh, in vitro and in vivo clinical work. So I think that's a kind of a pretty good body of, of validation uh, data on the performance of the system. And I think the final aspect is because it is a learning system, each study we've done, the system has gotten better, uh, the methods faster and uh, increasingly accurate. When I think of AI, I think of the system learning as it goes. Mm-hmm. What is Forager learn to do better as it goes, and how does it refine what it's capable of? Yeah, yeah. So I think building on that last uh, comment, Daniel, um, you know, we we have these three distinct learning questions, and if we we take uh, the maybe I'll I'll take two examples here. One is in the case of bioactivity prediction. Um, over time, as we've done more of these programs, we've begun to learn sort of subtle, non-obvious features uh, that, uh, you know, are, are common in compounds that are more likely to be bioactive versus those that don't. And so with that, we, we essentially learn how to wait our algorithm. So, uh, you know, at the beginning, we kind of assumed uh, in an unbiased way, all algorithms are, you know, equal and, and, uh, and what we learn over time is how to tune those to, uh, you know, basically weight uh, the, those algorithms and some of the compound features that seem to be consistently associated with things that uh, turn out to be predicted positives that actually are, are positives and, and bioactives. So that's uh, one, one way we uh, improve our accuracy. And uh, in this case, uh, we've gone from when we first started the company, maybe like a 3% uh, success rate in, in our first pass, which is still you know, orders of magnitude better than you get through modern uh, high throughput discovery approaches, but obviously had room for improvement. And most recently, we're seeing 15 to 20 percent, uh, you know, six sixfold improvements in the uh, first past accuracy. So that just gives you an example how over time we continue to make improvements. Uh, we are also making improvements in predicting activities, basically the metabolic activities of plants. So uh, the last piece of forger that I hadn't described is uh, really uh, uh, is a feature where we're able to do metabolic mapping of higher plants. And this really builds on a program and technology that uh, our team developed at Stanford Carnegie, uh, which had been published. And it uses omics, you know, uh, various omics information and knowledge of evolutionary relationships among plants to make predictions about uh, metabolic capabilities. And, and again, once again, we, we're starting to learn, uh, you know, again, what, what features uh, in terms of sort of reaction sequences, uh, you know, are, are more likely to be the most likely explanations of the biosynthetic pathways. And that leads to more accurate predictions about uh, their their capabilities. Um, and, and with that, 
aspect, we also learn um, how to include new information such as more extensive data from transcriptomics, which is, uh, you know, really representation of what genes are transcribed by a plant at any given uh, time. And that, again, helps um, uh, is important data that Im improve, helps improve the accuracy of our predictions. Now, what's the business model here? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, again, we are actually uh, building, a, a, you know, a revenue uh, growth uh, business in several ways. So in the immediate term, we are uh, accreting revenue and uh, uh, through uh, basically partnerships that we have with a number of leading companies in uh, the agri-food uh, sector. So again, some of the announced partnerships include uh, Danone, the leading, you know, one of the leading uh, global food companies that's particularly strong in plant-based beverages and uh, yogurts, uh, which are, of course, growing at, at very fast rates. Um, and, you know, companies like uh, Pharmavite and Amway on the dietary supplement side, where they're looking for new, um, you know, new health beneficial compounds that can be proprietary for you know, areas of uh, health that are strong unmet needs and strong interest uh, with consumers uh, to a company like uh, Jividan, uh, you know, who's one of the leading flavors, fragrance, and now increasingly uh, health beneficial ingredients uh, uh, companies. And so in these partnerships, uh, we not only have uh, revenue that comes in from the, the research and development, but uh, these agreements all have a value sharing success element. So we're basically betting ourselves to deliver a commercially viable and attractive solution to these companies. And so uh, this helps us because of the relatively fast turn here, this, you know, uh, you know, should start generating even more revenue for us uh, within the next couple of years as these uh, new products come to market. Um, we are investing in our own pipeline of health beneficial compounds. Um, and uh, in this case, uh, our, we have a, a actually six, uh, you know, programs that have been underway uh, the most advanced is in the area of metabolic and liver health, and happy to share more about that. But uh, these uh, these compounds uh, are kind of like the uh, DHA omega-3 uh, patent-protected ingredient uh, that I helped develop in, in my past that, you know, uh, had major benefits for brain and eye development and, and uh you know, uh, found very large markets in infant formula and, and toddler foods and and functional foods and uh, and then even later uh, pharmaceuticals for uh, treatment of hypertriglyceridemia. And so, uh, these ingredients uh, being patent protected and of high value uh, command you know healthy margins. So 
again beginning in 2020, early 2023 with the launch of our first product, we expect to build a, a growing uh, business uh, through uh, the production and sale of these ingredients. And then a little bit uh, down the road from there, what we're ultimately building is a you know really unsurpassed database of these novel plant compounds and you know increasingly accurate and deep knowledge around their health benefits and that opens up a lot of both licensing opportunities as well as ultimately developing products in the you know say digital health space or precision health space where you know we're able to uh, address the need for more cost-effective ways to provide uh, health, especially related to reducing risk of, you know, debilitating chronic diseases such as diabetes, cardiovascular disease, and liver diseases, uh, but also even potentially help, uh, you know, provide actionable data and recommend recommendations uh, on your health wearable. You know, you, we can measure a lot of stuff now, but what we're oftentimes lacking is, uh, okay, if I see my, you know, uh, seeing a biomarker attribute uh, trending the wrong way, I'm not sleeping as well as I used to. Uh, oftentimes, they're not particularly good or insightful recommendations as to what to do differently. And we know that diet has a huge impact on all of those areas. And therefore, therein lies the opportunity to make uh, increasingly precise, accurate, and uh, personalized recommendations. So that's a little bit down the road, uh, but those are the three ways in which we uh, uh, build a biz profitable business. Let's return for a moment to the compound you discovered that you just talked about, the one that promotes liver health. I'm curious, what did Brightseed find when it discovered this, how it made that connection? Mm -hmm. And are you looking at this as a, a potential supplement or a potential drug? Yeah, so very, very good question, Daniel. And I uh, will start with the health condition that we're addressing. And when we started the company three and a half years ago, we knew it was important that we focus on, uh, you know, basically a real proof, you know, kind of proof of, of concept case, uh, which represented a large unmet health need, represented a technically challenging problem that had kind of vexed the industry and uh, could really show the opportunity of Forger to make uh, a new discovery that that could import, you know, impact uh, uh, a large addressable market and unmet health need. And so this is in the area of metabolic health and specifically liver health. Um, uh, according to the World Health Organization, uh, fatty liver disease uh, prior to uh, COVID was the next big uh, global health epidemic uh, because, um, you know, it's estimated up to 2 billion people globally, which is almost a third of the population, uh, suffers from this condition, which is, as it name uh, connotes, accumulation of unhealthy levels of fat in the liver where it does not belong. Over time, those fats degrade and oxidize and can cause inflammation, 
uh, ultimately cirrhosis and later fibrosis of the liver, which ultimately causes liver failure. And say, unlike some of the other chronic diseases, there is no cure or no approved treatment. And so the the only um, solution is a liver transplant, which of course is not always available, horrifically expensive, and can be uh, have its own uh, a number of, of life create a number of lifelong health issues. And so uh, we partnered with a leading metabolic uh, disorder and diabetes researcher at uh, Sanford Burnham uh, Medical Research Institute. Uh, he, uh, through his prior work, had made discoveries of uh, and had learned about how uh, elevated levels of fat in the bloodstream can actually impair a central metabolic regulator of uh, maintaining healthy sugar and lipid levels in the bloodstream. And so, you know, kind of making a very direct uh, molecular connection between our diet, uh, you know, and how basically obesity could lead uh, to impairment of the control system in the body, which ultimately then led to accumulation of fat in the liver. Um, he had developed a highly sensitive assay, but uh, year, years worth of work uh, using, you know, kind of uh, diverse uh, libraries of, of chemical compounds had yielded only, you know, a few hits, uh, none of which were going to be able to translate to, you know, a, a, a bioactive ingredient or therapeutic. And so uh, partnering with them, uh, the Bright Seed team, and specifically my uh, co-founder, Lee Che, uh, you know, built a model, uh, uh, built models uh, to make predictions of plant compounds that uh, would work. And uh, literally within three months, uh, we had, uh, had made a major discovery. And so, uh, this discovery now uh, has uh, translated all the way through various levels of validation, including some promising in vivo preclinical results. Uh, we have identified two preferred uh, sources for the compound out of about 80 that we identified from the forager system. Uh, we've scaled this ingredient up to a commercial scale process, and we're uh, beginning the regulatory process uh, to obtain clearance to market this product and, and getting ready to embark on our first human clinical study to prove out its benefits and, and claims. What we hope here is that this product will, in the shorter term, become a, a new daily habit for maintaining good metabolic health. Um, and, uh, you know, much in the way people take calcium and vitamin D for bone health, you know, for good bone health. And, uh, you know, certainly the pandemic has really brought home the importance of improving our basic underlying health and the condition that we describe, you know, ultimately leads to poor immune health. And we've seen the consequences of that, especially in the U.S., where we generally have uh, we have 40 percent obesity uh, incidents and 85 uh, percent of people that are judged to be in poor metabolic health. And unfortunately, we've suffered disproportionate share of consequences. Um, we also believe that these compounds, because of their potency, can uh, can in in fact uh, their synthetic derivatives of them could become a good uh, new chemical entity starting points for uh, drug discovery in 
uh, you know, fatty liver disease and, and NASH. And again, that's, uh, you know, estimated to be a $40 billion a year or more market opportunity um, for the therapeutic industry. Um, and, uh, and, you know, to date yet, there, there have been no good solutions that have made it all the way through uh, successful phase three clinical studies. And so, you know, we're uh, hoping to open up some conversations on that end as well, because we think we have something that really goes to the heart, of basically the underlying condition of how, why fat is accumulated in the liver and how to clear it. And uh, we found a, you know, a very safe compound that's actually in uh, our dietary plants that uh, turns out to be a highly potent uh, positive effector. So that's, uh, that's our, our first, um, you know, first discovery. And uh, it's really pleasing to see the matter of uh, just a little more than three years that it has come so far, because typically these compounds, you know, would take eight to 10 years to go from beginning a discovery program to commercial sales. And we're, you know, believing that we can do that in less than five and hopefully less than four years for subsequent programs. It would seem there's actually a big opportunity for finding compounds with medicinal value. What's mm -hmm. the potential for using this as a, a therapeutic discovery platform? And are you pursuing partnerships along those lines? Yeah. Uh, so going back to an earlier comment, uh, you know, the natural product uh, world, in, in fact, uh, has been... Uh, you know, was the main focus for drug discovery efforts beginning in the late 1950s all the way into the 1990s. I believe every major pharmaceutical company had a natural products discovery program where they were taking not only plants, but fungi and other, uh, you know, natural biological sources and basically going through a process called grind and find that, uh, you know, grind up the matter, extract uh, the small molecules that they could and and screen them across a different condition. And, and that, in fact, did yield the number of, you know, successful pharmaceuticals that are used to this day. But um, interest began to turn to, you know, common other methods such as combinatorial chemistry and, and biologics beginning in the 90s. We're actually seeing a renewed interest in the pharmaceutical area around natural products for several reasons. And I, and I think, and what we have to offer, I think, really touches on them. So first, because of our our AI, we're able to actually gain a much deeper representation of the plant and natural compounds, you know, the five to 10 times the number of compounds that we're finding. And uh, again, say 85 to 90% of those we estimate are new to the world, of course, is, is of interest. It's like, this is stuff people haven't seen. Um, and, uh, and so that's just on, you know, kind of first principles of interest. We have a new way of you know, uh, and basically new tools that allow us to really accelerate the discovery process 
where, again, a lot of that search process is done in silico. And of course, as we've seen from, you know, uh, internet search engines such as Google, you know, that can uh, lead us to better answers and do so at a fraction of the time and cost. And so in a way, I think we, we've been referred to as sort of the Google search engine for the plant genome. And then uh, finally, you know, I think advances in synthetic biology, uh, you know, and I've been involved a lot in that in my past, I'll really now address one other hurdle that was encountered with natural product discovery, which is, you know, if you discovered a compound in a rare Amazonian flower, uh, you know, it wasn't, of course, feasible to uh, source from that original source. So, uh, you know, this is where uh, chemists had, synthetic organic chemists had to look at the ability to synthesize this compound. And sometimes it, it could prove pretty difficult if it, if it was really complex and had a number of optical, optically active centers. And so with both advances in synthetic organic chemistry and synthetic biology now, uh, compounds that used to be really not feasible to produce, in fact, can be produced. And so, um, you know, we, we think there's a real opportunity uh, to uh, leverage the Forager platform for drug discovery um, and translate, you know, create a viable way to produce these compounds. So, you know, your question is very timely in that, you know, we literally this month, uh, well, actually, as of late March, you know, began our first overtures to uh, the pharmaceutical industry, and we're hoping they will see uh, what many others have seen, both uh, in the potential for uh, synthetic derivatives of, of our bioactive, natural plant-based bioactives, these phytonutrients, which are potent, uh, intrinsically safe, you know, and can represent great starting points for new chemical entities that can address very important health conditions. But we also see the potential to engage as a, you know, kind of platform discovery partner using the forager methodologies to augment, you know, the pretty strong capabilities that many of these companies already have. Fundamentally, we're, we're bringing something new, and we think that's uh, uh, going to be of interest, at least to some partners there. So uh, stay tuned. Jim Flatt, co-founder and CEO of Brightseed. Jim, thanks so much for your time today. Daniel, thank you so much for your interest. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send an email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.